President Trump says limiting immigration protects American jobs and health. That argument is not new. Whenever there's a crisis here in the U.S., questions come up about immigration. Erica Lee is the author of America for Americans, a history of xenophobia in the United States. I've asked her how we've seen this play out before. The 1918 flu pandemic is actually really uh, fascinating to compare to what's happening today. So first we have to understand that, of course, during World War I, immigration was effectively halted due to the war and the end of passenger steamship travel. But even during the flu pandemic, in which the U.S. lost 650,000 lives, the country didn't try to limit immigration. In fact, we still let in over 110,000 immigrants and the Bureau of Immigration touted its kind treatment of sick immigrants. I mean, Erica, the stories right now of hate directed at Asians, Asian Americans, we're hearing stories of acid attacks. So personally, what has this been like for you as someone whose grandfather arrived in this country during the Chinese Exclusion Act? Yeah, you know, I remember um, hearing stories of uh, my parents insisting that during World War II into the 1950s and 60s, they they still felt the sting not only of Chinese exclusion, but also just anti-Asian racism in general, obviously Japanese-American incarceration as well. And their philosophy was, we need to show that we're, quote, Americans first and Chinese second. So for them, there was this sense of sort of ultra assimilation. We need to prove that we're loyal. We need to prove that we're patriots. We need to prove that we're assimilated. I think that this sense of worthiness, you know, is is really being questioned for Chinese Americans and other Asian Americans feeling like they're being suspected of of bringing the virus and spreading the virus. And it's, you know, it takes its toll. It's it's not just these horrific violent attacks, these physical attacks or the name calling or the social shunning. It's also just this internalized sense of, oh, I, yeah, I thought we belonged, but look how easily the tables can be turned on us. And I think there's a palpable sense of fear now that we're all supposed to wear masks out in public. There is a, a racialized image of an Asian person in a mask that is quite different than any other type mm. of person wearing a medical mask. I had not even thought about that mask uh, aspect to all of it. Yeah, it, I think it's, uh, I, you know, I certainly feel very self-conscious now wearing a mask outside. You've also written, Erica, that Americans have the power to combat xenophobia. Um, obviously, as individuals, we all have that power. Aside from a person's vote, though, what would that take today? What would you like to see? That's a really tough one. I think that so many of us feel... Um, feel disempowered because the there is the legal challenges, those have to continue, but many of us aren't skilled and, and tooled in doing that. We can support those organizations. We need to make sure that we're supporting immigrant-serving organizations and, of course, vote. But as we're seeing xenophobia sort of spread out into the streets and into our neighborhoods and on our subways, one of the things that we can all do is stop it. We need to be those bystanders who don't just look away, but actually take action to intervene and to protect those who are vulnerable. Erica Lee is the author of America for Americans, A History of Xenophobia in the United States. Erica, thank you very much. Thank you.